Welcome to this week's episode of Stand Out, how to grow your organizational and productivity practice, brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. With every episode, we're going to learn from subject matter experts who can help you build your business in areas like marketing, HR, and finance. We'll also introduce you to business owners who are out there just like you are, and we'll learn from their successes and challenges. Please welcome your host, professional organizer, Sarah Karakayan. Welcome to Stand Out, the podcast all about growing your organizing and productivity business. I'm Sarah Karakayan, your host. One of the great things about entrepreneurship is that you're not always in control of where your path will lead you. Some of us start out as generalists in the organizing industry and fall in love with solving digital clutter. Some of my colleagues got into business to help families create systems, but then learn their real talents lie in streamlining the home office. As entrepreneurs, we must recognize when making shifts in our business is essential to growth and to our overall happiness as professionals. After all, that's most likely why many of us became entrepreneurs, to build a career we love, even if that means making a few tweaks here and there. We've got on the show today, Joshua Zirkel. At first, I was excited to get Joshua's insight on the organizing and productivity industry from the male perspective. This industry can often appear to be female-dominated, but we know there are many male organizers and productivity specialists out there. Having Joshua on the show might inspire other aspiring male organizers and productivity specialists to move forward in our industry. But upon further digging, I learned so much more about Joshua and his amazing entrepreneurial journey that ultimately led him to working full-time in the tech industry. Joshua Zirkel is head of global community at Asana, the easiest way for teams to track their work and get results, and is responsible for growing and engaging the Asana community around the world. For over a decade, he has focused his career on helping people and businesses get more organized and increase their productivity. Before joining Asana, Josh was Evernote's Director of Global Customer Education and Community. He is the author of the books Evernote at Work and Integrate Evernote, and has been featured in Bloomberg Businessweek, National Public Radio, CBS News, ABC News, the San Francisco Chronicle and Examiner online organizing, among many others. He's also an inaugural certified professional organizer and is a two-term past president of the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals, San Francisco Bay Area Chapter. And although he doesn't consider himself freakishly organized, Josh does admit to spending some time, some of his free time, alphabetizing his comic books. So Joshua, welcome to our show. Thanks, Sarah, and thanks to everyone in Napoland. Yes, yes, we are excited to have you. Uh, to get started, I think the best place is at the beginning. So I know before you started your own business, you worked for an employer. So can you kind of take us down, down that journey? Yeah, absolutely. So I think like many entrepreneurs and people who have an entrepreneurial spirit, my path is winding. Mm-hmm. And I've truly embrace that as part of like just who I am as a person. And so my earliest career beginning were really in the design and tech worlds. Mm. I went to school, college here in San Francisco, and this is at the beginning of the original dot-com era. Okay. And so the jobs that were available at the time were really in the world of tech. And that's 
more or less where I've always stayed in that kind of circle of orbit. And so I started my career as a graphic and web designer, and I moved into instructional design, which is using technology to help people learn, and interface design, which is designing how things look and feel on the screen so that people interact with them better. And I did that work for a while. I really enjoyed it. Um, but one of the things that was interesting to me as a byproduct of that work is I would often help a lot of my colleagues with their project management. Because most creative types, not most, but let's say many, a fair right. assessment, sometimes have challenges staying organized. They have a lot of great ideas and are super creative and can do really interesting and thoughtful work. But the pieces of the work, the details, the management of it often elude them. And so I just happened to have a knack for doing both. And so I ended up showing a lot of my colleagues strategies for staying organized and keeping their work on track. And eventually, I ended up doing this so much that I started thinking like, maybe there's something else there. And there, there wasn't really anything known as like a productivity consultant. Even professional organizing was really nascent at the time. And so perhaps in an interesting twist of fate, uh, I was laid off when the tech bubble burst in the early 2000s. And I started thinking about like, what are some other skills that I might want to explore? What are other things that I'm curious about? What else would I like to do with my time? And one of the things I wanted to explore was, is there something with this organizing thing that I could do? I had no idea that there was NAPO. I had no idea that there were other people doing this. I just started asking in my network, like, would you be willing to pay someone to do this kind of thing? And surprisingly to me, people said yes. And so what I did was I actually explored two career paths at the same time. I started an organizing business, which I had no idea what that meant at the time. I just thought like, hey, people want to get organized. I want to get money. Like, let's do this thing. So that was about the level of thought that I put into it before starting it. And then I also explored a career in journalism. Hmm. One of the other areas that I was always interested in was like consumer reporting, things that could help people in their daily lives in terms of like solving consumer issues. And so I basically talked my way into an entry-level position at CBS News here in San Francisco. So I did both at the same time for multiple years. Wow. I didn't know about this uh, CBS News position. Yeah. I, I just have done so many different things. And I, I am the type of person where I don't feel like I need to pin exactly who I am and what I want to do down. I know that works for some people, but the way I look at it is I've got one life. I'm interested in exploring lots of different things. I should explore those things. And so that, that period of my life where I had the time and the freedom to explore was super, super valuable for me. So I ended up making about half my time at CBS and half my time in my organizing business for a while, and a while being several years hmm. um, before I really decided, you know, this organizing thing is something. There's something here. And I started being so busy that I, I couldn't focus on my work at CBS. And mm -hmm. so it just naturally transitioned into like, this is going to be my full-time business. I'm really going to give this thing a go and I'm going to structure it in a way that makes sense for me and for my clients. You know, and so that, that's kind of the early start of how, how, the, the, how I got into the world of organizing and productivity. I, I have so many questions about that. Did your business change from the time you started it when you were also at CBS News to then when you just started focusing on it full time? Or did you kind of focus on the same specialty the entire time? 
No, it, it evolved. It evolved the entire time that I was running the business full time. Uh, but it really evolved a lot in those early years. I feel like when you are at the beginning of your business is like, that's basically when you're in trade school. You're, you're learning the ins and outs of how this thing can work. And right. for me, I learned very early on what type of work I was interested in and what type I was really not. Mm -hmm. And so I think like most people who enter this field, they often start out in residential organizing. And I am so not that person, but I needed to do it to figure that out. And so I pretty quickly evolved away from like helping people in residential settings mm -hmm. to working more with entrepreneurs, small businesses, and larger groups and teams around time management, information management, managing their technology, the things that I actually really knew about, mm -hmm. I managed to build into my business. I just didn't know when I started out that there was a, a space for that. Right. Part of it was like what I was seeing once I started learning that there's an actual industry there weren't a lot of people doing productivity work. That was like a tiny, tiny portion of Napo at the time. And so I didn't really think that it was a viable thing given what I was seeing in the market, but my market found me. So I, I ended up really shifting my business in that direction. It was a much better fit for my interests, my skills, my area of expertise, and really the value that I could bring to my clients. Did you find that your history in the tech world influenced your decision to be a productivity consultant, like knowing all those computer systems that can really help us streamline our business. Did that give you a head up? Did, were you self-taught or were you taught those practices in your previous job or how did that all come together? Good question. I definitely learned to leverage those skills a lot. I think whatever you do, you're a culmination of all the things that you've done before and all the things that you've learned. And right. so I didn't, I didn't know to capitalize on that at first, but once I started leveraging like who I am and what I know, bringing those things to the table for my clients really helped a lot and it felt more natural for me. So absolutely the things that I learned along the way through my professional journey really definitely helped me. And once I started deciding like, you know, this is actually the path within this industry that I want to pursue the productivity piece rather than the just straight organizing piece, I, I definitely had to continually enhance my skill set. One of the challenges, if you want to be a more tech-focused productivity consultant, is you need to keep up. And mm -hmm. there are always new tools. The tools that you know are always evolving. So it's this never-ending hamster wheel that you have to be on in order to provide value. For some people, that's awesome. Like I personally love geeking out on these things. Mm -hmm. For other people, it's just there's too much and it's too overwhelming. And so I think you need to find your space within that for what works for you and for your clientele. My clients, especially given where I'm located in the San Francisco Bay Area, most are already pretty tech savvy. So if I didn't bring my A game to every meeting, it wasn't going to be a fit. So that said, it was on me to continually keep my tools really sharp. Right. Did you find yourself doing a lot of reading, a lot of educating yourself, maybe even more so than the client work in, in that area of your business? Absolutely. So a big chunk of my time was when I was running my business full-time was spent on really what we would term professional development, like right. trying out new tools, reading up on things that are coming, testing things out, because I, I don't need, I do not necessarily feel the need to be an expert on everything but I needed to have answers from my clients when they asked me, that's what they were paying me for. Right. And so as a consultant, my job is to have the answers. And so I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't have them. So I made sure that I was pretty well educated. I didn't know everything. There's no way you can know everything that's happening in the world of tech, 
But mm -hmm. in the sphere of things that most of my clients would be asking for and might need, I made sure I was pretty well versed in those. I feel a lot of entrepreneurs in general get down on themselves when they feel like they don't know everything and they can't bring everything to the table for their clients. And myself included, I have to remind myself that educating myself constantly on whether it's, in my case, design trends or new products or tech uh, systems that can help us help our clients, it's so important to keep up to date with that and keep up to speed and make sure we have time in our business to do that. Yeah. I actually had to schedule time in my business for me to do that type of professional development. One of the things that I encouraged all of the people I'd worked with in the organizing field to do is like really like block your time. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the way that it worked was I would only work with clients, I think three days out of the week. Mm -hmm. And I had very specific time blocks that they were allowed to schedule time with me in. And in the other times when, you know, realistically, when you're working for yourself, there's, you spend a lot of time on it. I would do a lot of professional development, a lot of like, let me install this tool on my computer and test it out and see how it works. And let me read up on what other people are saying about it. So that when the, the client the next day would ask me about it, I could actually give them an informed opinion. I think that's so key for you to share that with us, that you had three days of client work and probably more than two days. I'm sure you worked like most entrepreneurs more than five days a week on professional development. And I, I think that's one of the big secrets that no one tells us when we get into it is it's not like when you work a nine to five, you work, you know, with your clients or on a specific project every day, you've really got to um, keep up with, with everyone else and all the things that are changing in our industry. Yeah. It's, it's what they're paying us for. Right. Right. And so I don't think you have the luxury if you are an entrepreneur in a crowded field to not bring your A game. And for me, bringing that meant knowing more than my clients did about the things that they were paying me to know. That just seems logical. But I'm often surprised at the like laissez-faire attitude a lot of people have towards professional development. Um, because I know how it feels to run a business. I know it can feel really overwhelming. And where am I going to shoehorn this time in to do this sort of thing? The bottom line is you have to. You have to right. figure it out. And especially in our industry as organizers and productivity consultants, if we can't figure out how to manage our time to do this sort of thing, there's a pretty fundamental problem there that might be worth addressing. Right. Right. And if we can't, it maybe that's, you know, if you're a, a residential organizer and organizing your time isn't your, your strong suit, I think hiring other organizers who have strong suits in that area are great ways to stay in the industry and to kind of have that big circle of giving back from one entrepreneur to another. Absolutely. And you get the benefit of seeing how someone else in a related area of organizing does their job. Yes. Yes. I can't agree more. So when in your journey, when you had your business full time, did you get involved with NAPO? Because you were a two-time uh, pres two-term president for your chapter. T talk to us about yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it was a few months, maybe half a year into me, I would say dabbling in the organizing world before I heard about NAPO. It was actually one of my clients who told me about it. So I would never have heard of it at that time unless one of my clients had mentioned it to me. So mm -hmm. I immediately went to a local chapter meeting and it was awesome. It was super welcoming. Everyone there was like, hmm, a guy, what is this all about? Uh -huh. uh, and everyone there was just super supportive. And from there, I just got really involved. Like I started attending regularly, of course, became a member of my chapter and a national. And within maybe less than a year of being a NAPO member, I started doing work within the chapter 
And I think I served a couple of terms as our professional development director, mm. where me and another person, we kind of co-shared this job. And we led some really awesome workshops, trainings, and panels for our chapter. And then from there, like I just let, went up in the board and eventually became president. Uh, I loved it. I love NAPO so much. It's been such an awesome resource for me. Um, like just great knowledge, friendship, support. It's If you are in this industry, I don't know how you would survive without it. Not just survive, but thrive without it. Right. Did you feel your business had an uptick when you joined and you got more involved? Or was it more your business became meatier? Uh, to be completely honest, I don't know that my NAPO involvement had any direct result on my business itself. Mm-hmm. It had more of a result on me personally as a professional. Right. Like it, it made me feel like I was doing what any good professional should do in finding their professional association, getting involved, getting ongoing training resources and support, and supporting other people in the industry itself. So in that respect, it supported me in being a better business person. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't say there was a direct correlation between joining NAPO and an uptick in my business. I don't think for me it worked quite that way, although I know for some people it does. Right. For, you know, and for a lot of us, for the meetings, you get products, you get brand reps that come and you learn about all the new things that are in your industry too. So it's also, you know, uh, development within your business and just keeping up with, like we just spoke about all the things that are changing rapidly. Absolutely. It's a great way to, to stay in tune with all that. Yeah. I found for me, given the nature of the work that I do, I had to do a lot of educating within NAPO mm. of here's what productivity consulting looks like. Yes. Here's, here's what it looks like in practice. Here's the type of clients that I work with and the ways that I work. And because I don't know if it's more prominent now or less than when I was in NAPO more actively, there was just not a lot of knowledge around this. It was definitely still kind of a super niche within the world of organizing in the world of NAPO. Uh, And for me, it was kind of a privilege in a way to lead the way at the time. I'm like, here's what using tech tools and organizing looks like. Here's what organizing looks like when you're not touching people's stuff. Right. like that sort of thing I thought was pretty fun and just opening people's eyes to different different lenses to look at this through. Well, I'm sure that also helped you in your business with your clients, just getting more practice, uh, putting on what you said, workshops within your within your chapter and just mm-hmm. really educating people on on all sorts of ways tech, tech can help us in our business and in our lives. Yeah, it was great practice for me. And honestly, the number one way that I would get clients was by doing public facing events. Mm-hmm. And so getting the practice at NAPO and then building that as a more public-facing avenue for me was critical. Right. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. We have a message from NAPO, and then we will hop right back into this interview with Joshua Zirkel. The Acceleration Learning Series offered by the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals includes Ask the Organizer panels, Business Building Block Sessions, and Connecting with Corporate Partner Presentations. These one-hour conference calls are only available to NAPO members. Visit napo.net to learn more about membership and our Acceleration Learning Series. All right, we are back. We have Joshua Zirkel here, CPO and head of global community at Asana. So let's talk about your transition. So you didn't, you're not, you still have your business, but you're not full time active in it. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, I still have a business. I still have clients that I work with occasionally, mm-hmm. um, both new ones and I would call legacy clients who just can't let go. Uh, <laughs> 
and that's okay. I, I love them and I am happy to work with them. Um, but yeah, I, I work in the world of tech full time. I have been for about the past five or six years. And I think let's, let's talk about that first company that you, that you joined. Yeah. So this is another uh, serendipitous random series of events that led me down a different path. So I was working with clients, mm -hmm. helping them with productivity, time management, tech management. And a lot of them are small businesses or medium businesses, and all of them needed ways to organize their information. Mm -hmm. And so I was always on the hunt for tools that would let me help them do that, but that were flexible enough that I could apply them across a, a number of different industries and workflows rather than learn a lot of vertical specific tools because there's no way that I could learn all the tools that were applicable to all of my clients, given that I didn't have my own specialty in working with a particular niche. Like I didn't just work with real estate agents or with doctors or with any sort of professional. I work with lots of different types of industries. Mm -hmm. And so I was on the hunt for tools that would let me do information management in a more horizontal way with lots of different types of groups. And so I discovered Evernote, which is amazing in that it's super, super flexible and can be utilized for a person who's a homemaker just creating their grocery list all the way to information management for complex projects for a team and everything in between. That level of flexibility is fairly rare and really useful for someone like me who's a consultant because I can apply it in lots of different ways. So I ended up learning the tool very well and I'm in San Francisco Evernote is based down on the peninsula in Silicon Valley, so I got to know the people at the company really well. This is pretty early on in their company's genesis. And so we ended up doing a number of events together where I would lead trainings. I wrote a lot for their blog on different ways of using Evernote, and they ended up creating their community program with me as the first member of their community, their ambassador program. And so I was like an unofficial, official face of Evernote for a, a while. And eventually I worked enough with them and got to know the product well enough that I wrote a couple books about using Evernote. And eventually they thought, you know, we kind of need what you're doing, but can you do it for us full time? And I thought, you know, this is interesting. I hadn't thought of taking this particular path and I think this might be worth exploring. And so I joined Evernote full time, I believe in 2013. And so I didn't close down my business. Part of my contract, my agreement with ever know the company was that I would still be able to maintain my organizing and productivity business um, for a couple of reasons. One, I still really enjoyed doing it. And two, I felt like for me to, to do the work that I needed to do at Evernote, I needed that ear to the ground of like what average people who need organization and productivity are saying, what they're thinking right. to inform my work at Evernote. And so that's why I still do both. Uh, and that's how I got to Evernote. So I want to go back to that point that you brought up. You got involved with Evernote. Uh, you met the people at the company. You started writing for their blog. I know a lot of us in our industry, we may have brands that we know and love and use all the time and are genuine, authentic fans. And we want to be more involved with them because we're so mm -hmm. passionate about what they do for our business. What tips do you have for people to reach out to brands and to stand out as people who can help each other out, help the brand out, the brand can help out that small business. What did you do that made you stand out for that company? That's a really good question. And I can, I think I can speak to this from both sides because now I'm the person in the company that manages these kinds of relationships. Mm -hmm. I think from the outside perspective, you need to be a hustler. Like you can't just like wave your hand and say like, Hey, look at me. Like I'm, I'm talking about your brand. I mean, as someone in the company, I love that, but 
I don't have anything for you to have an official relationship necessarily. A lot of companies, there is no structured way for us to work with people like that. Mm -hmm. So I think you need to continually make sure you're on their radar. And there are lots of ways to do this now that didn't exist when I was building the relationship with Evernote. I'm thinking of things like social media. Like if you really love their product and, and want to talk about it in an authentic way, be all over their social media. Show your love because companies take notice of that. Let them know how many customers or clients of yours you're talking about their product to. And let them know if you're talking about it on your blog, like your number of followers on your blog. Like mm -hmm. Most businesses today are looking for metrics. So it's great if you love the product and it's great if you talk about it, but there's not a lot, of com uh, there's not a lot that a company can do with you or for you if you can't show them materially like, hey, here's what's, what building a relationship together might be able to do. Here's how you, company, could increase your reach via me. Hmm. And here's the ways that I'm thinking about the things that I could do for you. So come to them with some assets, resources, ideas, and stats in mind. Mm -hmm. And I think they'll be much more open to having the conversation. I mean, the truth is most companies love customers who use their product. That's kind of the deal. <laughs> <laughs> and they especially love customers who use their product and talk about it to other people. It's just that in most companies, it may seem like there's a big organization, but often resources are actually quite limited. Mm -hmm. So you would, if you're looking to build a relationship, you really have to think about, you know, what value could I really add beyond just saying like, I'm a big fan right. and how would I envision working together and then present that to them? You probably want to go via their marketing department. Sounds like you're saying the more specific you can get in your targeting of the brand or business, the more likely you're going to have a better outcome. Absolutely. And definitely look for, do they already have an affiliate partner, certified consultant, ambassador program? Because that's often the best path for someone to get involved rather than trying to like leapfrog and go directly to like the head of marketing, which usually that person's too busy and wouldn't know what to do with your request. Right. So look for what's already there because for instance, at Evernote, we had an awesome community program where we had lots of different ways for people to try to get involved. And I would get requests from people individually, like on LinkedIn, like, how can I get involved with Evernote? Have you checked out the page that talks all about this? So right. it's the type of thing where it's, it's, it behooves you to do your research and your homework beforehand, see what's already available, see what the company is already doing with on the ground or influencer marketing, and see if there's a fit for you that might already exist without you having to create something from whole cloth. I can say from my perspective as someone running these programs, the more enthusiasm I get from the public, the better. And it's even easier for me to help include people in programs if they raise their hand and say, I want to be part of a program you already have. Right. Rather than create something special just for me, because I may not know who you are. Right. And it's really difficult and time consuming for me to build like a one-off relationship when I've already spent a lot of time building a structured program for lots of people to be involved in. Right. Really have to think about, it might be a brand and a bigger business than we are as entrepreneurs, whether you're a solopreneur or you have a small team, but just think about how much time it takes for you to do things in your own business that, you know, making, like you said, like a structured community so that you can get all of your fans out there spreading the name of your business. It, it makes mm -hmm. sense to me. And, and that's important. It sounds like to me, the more you do your homework too, knowing if there's already a community involvement and it, you can do that with a quick search on the internet, you know, absolutely ever know yeah. community. 
They're pretty easy to find these things. Right. And a lot of companies have this sort of structured arrangement now. Right. I have a question for you about, you said metrics. Now, mm-hmm. are you saying that a small business owner should have a pretty large following or is it more important for them to have a an engaged following? Both are actually important. Okay. So if from one perspective, it's really useful to have a large following if you're working with, like, let's say you're trying to partner with a company that's actually pretty small and they're newer, they're hungry, they're trying to just get brand awareness. They want people to just know that they exist. So if you have a large following and you can tell them, you know, I have a Twitter following of like 10,000 people and they're all over the world and this is a company that you're talking to that's really trying to just get people aware of them, that's actually pretty compelling. On the flip side, if you're working with a company that's not doesn't need any brand awareness, but is actually looking to get customers, that's a very different scenario. That's where you'd want to say like, this is how many engaged people I can bring to you. So it's really about you understanding who your audience is and what they're doing and combining that with what is this company trying to do? If it's a newer company, probably they're trying to build brand awareness. If it's a more established company, they're probably trying to get paying customers. So think about where this company is along their journey, read up on what they're doing and what their goals are, and then see how and where you might be able to fit. So many great tips and insights there, Joshua. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. These are ones I've learned along the way. <laughs> I bet, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about then your next step in your journey. So how long were you with Evernote? Are you still with Evernote? Now you're with Asana. Explain all that to us. All the things. Okay. All the things. So, yeah. So uh, I was at Evernote for almost five years mm-hmm. and I love and loved Evernote very much. I like both past and present tense. Evernote is an awesome company and an awesome product. And I'm the type of person that I like exploring things and I like new challenges. And I built the Evernote community from literally zero to over 10,000 people participating globally, which I think is a pretty awesome accomplishment. And I was approached by another company, Asana, here in the Bay Area, that's a little bit closer to home, that I really, really like and respect, and who has a product that people really love, just like Evernote. And they had no community program. And so for me, it's a really interesting challenge that was presented to me to take this brand that people love and harness the love that people have for it into structured programs. And so I made the transition about two months ago from Evernote to Asana. And I'm at Asana now full time where my mandate is build the program from scratch. All over again? Or do you find yourself doing a lot of things differently? I'm taking all of the good things (laughs) and learning from all of the mistakes and missteps and hopefully doing something better. Better for the people who are going to participate and better and easier for me as the person in charge of managing it. I mean, the truth is, imagine, you know, you're managing your organizing business and you've got like 10 or 15 clients that you're juggling at any given time. Multiply that by like a thousand. And each one of those thousand people has a personality, wants something, you need to offer them something. They have different goals, desires, locations that they're in. That's my job now is managing like these groups at scale. So all of the things I learned about along the way about keeping clients happy, making sure they're getting what they need, all the things I learned at Evernote about building, scaling, and growing a community, working with people around the world, I'm incorporating all of those learnings into what I'm building here at Asana. And the nice thing for me is it's still in the productivity space. Evernote is awesome for managing and organizing your information. Asana is fantastic 
for organizing your actual workflow, like your tasks and sharing them with your team. So to me, I feel like if I take steps back, everything I've done is part of one big story mm-hmm. and the progression feels very natural to me. It was funny at the beginning of our conversation here, I was like, knowing where you are now, this is such foreshadowing <laughs> for where you ended up. And it just, it makes so much sense. And it's funny because had we asked you in 2005, 2006, you know, where you think you'd be in, in 10 years, would you ever imagine yourself being where you are today? I, there's no way. Because <laughs> I, I think the tendency, and I'm, I'll generalize, generalize a little bit, although I feel like this is fairly accurate. In the world of organizers, everyone is a planner. And mm-hmm. I think we, perhaps more so than most, really like to know what we're doing and what we're doing next. And then what's coming, like 10 steps down the line. And actually, what's really interesting for me, I got so many interesting byproducts from doing the work with clients. I've actually learned to let go of a lot of those tendencies Mm -hmm. because they don't serve me. And they lock me into ways of thinking that leave me closed off from possibilities. And so I've actually learned to detangle a lot of like the perfectionist tendencies and the make everything perfect tendencies and the tendency to like over plan because if I had done all of those things to the degree that my nature would normally get me to, who knows, would I be here doing this now? I don't think so. And so keeping myself open has led me down this path, but there's no way I could have foreseen this and all the awesome things that have come along the way. Which I think is so exciting. I, I love that aspect of of being an entrepreneur and having that say in what those next steps are, but being okay with, like you said, not over planning and not being a perfectionist and really just being curious. Yeah. I It struck me recently because I, I hadn't attended an APO meeting in some time because I'm so busy now doing my full-time work, but I recently went to my chapters, I think it was the 25th anniversary or 30th anniversary. Uh, in December, and I met some newer organizers. And it's interesting, the more things change, the more things stay the same. The old adage is still true. Because uh, I met some very like nascent new organizers, and they were telling me about all the plans that they were making for their business, and that they're getting ready to start their business once they finish doing the plan. And I'm like, please don't do it this way. Just do stuff. Just start. Just get and started. Just get started. And I think the tendency that we have in this particular line of work is like, let's plan it all. And then when things go wrong or they change, it's really, really hard for us. But I found, especially working in the tech world, which is always changing, that's actually what you need to plan for are the changes, not Mm -hmm. the plan itself. Right. While we have you here, can you talk about Asana and how it can maybe help growing professional organizers and productivity specialists in their, in their small businesses? Yeah, absolutely. So like I'd mentioned, Asana is a tool for workflow management where you can put in basically any type of project or work that you yourself are doing or work that you're doing with your clients. Like for instance, if you are launching a marketing campaign or a newsletter for your business, which I recommend that you do, mm-hmm. you can put all the details of the project in there, all of the steps in the process, like I know we organizers like to manage all the tasks. This is like such an awesome way to do it because let's say it's you plus a virtual assistant plus a copywriter and then maybe someone else is actually helping you send out the emails. Mm -hmm. You can organize the entire project in Asana really easily 
and then assign tasks to other people. You can put them on a timeline so you can see exactly what to do and when. And then perhaps the most satisfying thing of all is you can check the items off when they're done. And let's say that this is a process you need to repeat every month. You can create a template customized for you of that email newsletter project and duplicate it the next month and then do the whole process over again without having to reinvent the wheel. Wow. Yeah. And so with clients, especially if you're working with them on household processes or work processes of any type with any size team, this is a really great way for everyone to stay on the same page, reduce email communication and have everything coordinated in one spot. So for instance, if we're talking about productivity or office organization, if your clients are keeping some files on their computer and in Dropbox, and they're also communicating via email and in Slack, all of those dots can actually be connected inside of Asana where you can manage the steps in the process, you can connect the dots directly to a document and put it inside of Asana, and then all of the communication about it can actually happen inside of Asana as well. So we're, we're keeping like things together, which is a key organizing tenet, mm -hmm. and just making it easier to do the work. So one thing that I, I think is interesting for most people to know is here at Asana, we don't use email at all. All of our communication about projects happens directly inside of Asana. So it helps reduce that context switching from, oh, email inbox has like 50 different things. Instead of that, we have here's the project, here are the pieces of the project, and here's the communication about each individual piece all together in one spot. It's pretty awesome. And I think this is why people love it so much. And I take it it's pretty easy to learn if you're not too tech savvy? Yeah, you don't have to be super tech savvy to use it. It's right in your web browser or on your phone. You can follow any of the tutorial videos if you get stuck. There's really great and easy ways to learn how to use it. There's templates that are pre-built that you can start with without having to have any knowledge or a project that you have in mind. You can pull one from the template gallery and just get started right away. That's helpful. I love templates because sometimes I, I can't create things from the ground up. It's just nice to have some sort of idea already in place that I can then tweak to what makes sense for me. Yeah. For instance, like if you're hosting an event, like maybe you're doing something public facing to educate your local community about the work that you do, mm -hmm. like there's an event template already ready to go. You can just get started very easily that way. Wow. That's exciting. So yes. since you've been kind of, you've had this journey of being in the tech world with, with designing and then you started your business and then you were at Evernote and now you're at Asana. Do you have any thoughts? Do you do any sort of five to 10 year planning for yourself, for your career? Or do you still kind of just, you're just taking it day by day? Uh, I don't do like five or 10 year planning because I doubt for me that that would actually work. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I fully respect the people who do. And I'm always curious like how it plays out in their day to day. Because mm -hmm. um, my life never goes according to plan. So I've just given up trying to plan it in that way. I, I have like financial goals and things like that. Sure. But in terms of like how I live my life, mm -hmm. I don't plan in that way. I'm more of the, am I happy? And then I make the changes to make that happen if I'm not happy. I think that's great. That's key. Yeah. Question for you. Why do you think a lot of entrepreneurs fail or don't even get started? I can give you a very simple answer to a very complex question yes. because it's really hard. <laughs> that is why it is really, really hard. I think most people should never be entrepreneurs, although it's mm -hmm. useful for them to have the experience of what it's like. 
Mm -hmm. uh, it's just too hard. There's too many pieces and you have to be on top of so many things. And I think most people, when they start a business, don't realize everything that goes into it and the amount of heart that you have to put into it in order to make it work and the sacrifices that you have to make to reap all the benefits that are further down the line. Mm -hmm. I know for me, running my business was one of the most challenging, if not the most challenging, and also the most satisfying thing that I've ever done. Uh, and it was a daily struggle of, is this worth it at many times? Because it's really hard. It can also be very isolating. And I think most people don't recognize that when they go into it, because even if you're in a professional association like NAPO or you have your mastermind group or whatever, in your business, if it's your business, at the end of the day, it's you, right? No matter how many structures you put in place, no matter how many systems and processes you write down, no matter how many employees you hire, at the end of the day, if you have a person-built, person-centered business, it's you. And I don't know that most people are up for that. They may love organizing. They may love productivity. They may even be really good at doing the work itself. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really useful to divorce the work from the business mm -hmm. and think about how will I work at this business versus how will I work at the work? And I don't know that most people think about those things beforehand. And why would they? If they've never done it, these things would never occur to you. But I think the reason why most of these things, these small businesses and the people who are trying to be entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs either never get off the ground or never succeed is because there's just so much there that unanticipated parts of the process that come up and that are more challenging than I think most people realize. And plus it can take a while. Success takes a while. Yeah. And most people are not patient enough to let it get there. Right. And the way you said that I think is really great because, you know, why do most entrepreneurs fail or they don't get started? But it's almost, it's not a failure. Everything's a life experience. And as a business owner myself, I'm thankful for amazing employees or subcontractors or, you know, I, we, there's all, it takes all kinds to run a business and we need vendors. We need all these things to make the world go around. So, and especially for you, you, you were an amazing entrepreneur and now you work with a company and I'm sure you're finding benefits to both worlds. Oh, absolutely. So when I made the transition from Evernote or from uh, running my own business to Evernote, like one of the things that I re was really looking forward to was having coworkers again, mm -hmm. where the buck did not stop with just me. The buck was split amongst a bunch of us yes. where we were sharing the work. And after 10 years of running the business by myself, I was really ready to like not be responsible for everything under the sun. Mm -hmm. uh, and on the flip side, one of the things that I was really nervous about was giving up control. Right. And actually for me, it's a really good exercise to give up control. Um, but I was concerned. I was, I wondered what that would be like for me. And it ended up actually being really okay. Um, what I would suggest to anyone who is exploring like different paths is if you build the entrepreneurial skill set, you can leverage it in a multitude of different ways. And one of the things that's actually served me really, really well once I transitioned back into full-time work in the corporate world was if you've run a business and you've had any measure of success with it, you know that you can basically figure out anything mm. because you have to, right? When you're running a business, I mean, generally speaking, there are pieces that you might outsource like to an accountant or something along those lines, but you still need to figure out what, what are the pieces going to be? And 
if you're working with a web developer, you need to figure out like what pieces am I going to give to them? And that ability to identify a problem and figure out a path, a strategy, I use that every single day. And so those, those assets that we get along the way of being entrepreneurs, whether you stay an entrepreneur and, and continue to hone those skills or transition into something else and leverage those skills, the, that, that sort of like, I can figure it out mindset is amazing. And what I found coming into the corporate world again with that different lens is most people who've never done this kind of thing, who've never built their own business, don't have that. They don't have that. And it's such an amazingly leverageable skill and one that definitely helps you stand out. Sounds like to me, that's a great way. If you say entrepreneurship is not for me, I'm going to go find a job. Take all those things that you learned. That's an asset now. The fact that you ran your own business and it's your decision now to transfer it, to transfer your life to some work back in the corporate world or what have you. That's, that's a perfect thing to say to HR as you're sitting in there and getting interviewed is to say, I can figure things out. Yeah. The truth is most, most enterprises, most businesses of any size, size need people who are problem solvers. Mm-hmm. And if you can say, I can identify a problem, I can set the strategy and I can execute on it. Uh, this is amazing. So <laughs> let's hire you. Right. It, it's all just to say, like, even if you hire yourself as an entrepreneur, like knowing that you have those abilities is super, super helpful. And, right. you know, just recognize the skills that you build along the way when you're doing these kinds of things, because they're really, really valuable. Right. Joshua, at the end of every episode, I always ask my guests for, I call them sticky notes, two sticky notes. What are two big impact next step items you believe our organizing and productivity professionals can implement immediately into their business? I know that you're not a full-time entrepreneur right now, but you're still building something at Asana. So Mm -hmm. what are two sticky notes you can leave us with? One is do a brain dump regularly. Get all the ideas out of your head so that they're not swirling around and keeping you up at night. Just put them somewhere, put them in Evernote, put them in Asana, write them down on a piece of paper, put them on a sticky note, but get them out. Great. And then the second piece would be give yourself a break. Once you have those ideas out, you don't actually have to implement them all. Choose which ones are important and give yourself a pass on the rest. Ah, such good advice. Joshua, where can our listeners find out more about you and stay connected with you online? Yeah. So if you want to connect with me directly, uh, it's really easy to find me. I'm on LinkedIn. Please connect with me there. I'm also on Twitter at Joshua Zirkel. If you'd like to learn more about Asana, just visit asana.com or at Asana on Twitter. And if you are interested in getting more involved in the Asana community, you can visit asana.com slash community. I am in the process right now of building the programs, but you can apply to the ambassador or certified consultant program right now. There's no better time to get started in a community or a program than at the beginning. So that's exciting. Yeah. If you're interested, now is really the time because I'm building the program around the people who are there. They're telling me what they want. So right. if you have opinions, this is the time to share them. So join up. I love that. Well, thank you for that invitation. Listeners, how about you? What can you do today, this week, to make a change in your business for the better? Maybe that's even deciding that instead of starting your own business, you want to work for someone else. That's okay. You have a lot to bring to the table. And I think Joshua is a perfect example of how you can make success happen no matter where you go or what you do, as long as you stay true to yourself. 
I'm Sarah Karakayan. That wraps up this episode of Stand Out. Thank you for hanging out with me and learning with me. If you like this podcast, if you're able to walk away with nuggets of inspiration or something valuable, please leave us a review and hit that subscribe button. We want to reach as many organizing and productivity professionals as possible. So in addition to subscribing and leaving us a review, please feel free to share, share, share this and every episode with your colleagues, your team, and whoever else might benefit. We'll have more amazing content and actionable business tips in our upcoming episodes of Stand Out. So I look forward to hanging out with you next time. Joshua, thank you so much. My pleasure. That was super fun. That's all for this episode of Stand Out, brought to you by the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net to learn more about our educational offerings, our local chapters, and both certification and certificate opportunities. Don't miss an episode as we help you build the business you've always dreamed of owning. Ba-da, ba-da, ba-da.